You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Good morning. Welcome to the World Football Program. You've got Penny Tannerhoth and Andy Arena on the show this morning until 12 o'clock. Good morning, Andy. How are you? Good morning. Good morning, Penny. Good morning, everyone. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm hoping everybody out there is good and ready for another footballing weekend. You're looking very comfortable sitting in that seat. I think you should do it oh, more no. often. Here we go. Yeah, here's, <laughs> here's the pitch. <laughs> Set up with his laptop, looking like another wingman in the studio. That's what we like. Good job. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another weekend of football. You're on 107.9 FM. We've got a great lineup of guests for you for the next two hours, including Abid Imam from Football West, the club engagement lead, Perth Glory coach Ruben Zadkovich, Lisa Ward Murphy. Lisa Murphy, maiden name Ward. Sorry, I always forget that just because I've known Lisa for so many decades. It just is natural. Bunbury <laughs> Dynamo's legend and Hall of Famer in the Southwest, Neil Bennett from Beyond 90, Perth Red Stars. He's going to have a chat to us about uh, WNPL and Matildas. And Greg Werner, who is a football historian and a page administrator on probably a lot of pages that I don't know about, but Australian football before the A-League is the one that springs to mind because... Australia, or the Socceroos, have just celebrated 100 years of football as of Friday, so I'm sure he can tell us many things that have happened along the way there, and it's been a pretty eventful week. There's been lots of finals, lots of international fixturing, things are happening for the World Cup. The World Cup, if you didn't know, is in November this year, so there's a bit of refixturing and change happening there. And if you didn't know, the Socceroos are going to the World Cup! <laughs> Again. But they absolutely are. Five times. Five times. Consecutively. Six or up, yeah. Yeah. 
It's great. It's uh, a very happy occasion for a lot of football fans. And if we have a think about how football's gone in the last uh, few years, COVID management-wise, numbers-wise, publicity-wise, we've had complaints about restructuring and where we're going with football, but we've had a fair high level football numbers of high level football teams really reach where we wanted to reach world cups young young uh, matildas young socceroos um the matildas and the socceroos they've all reached their international peak competitions is is that not a reflection of how we're going andy yeah exactly and that's that's where we want to be we it's not it's we can't just put all our eggs in one basket or two baskets to say it's all about the matildas and the socceroos it it is that um, that next level down, the next level down, and right down to grassroots. And by all accounts, as you said, Penny, it looks like we're doing okay. You know, we um, I think sometimes we just need to stick our head above water and take an overall look at where we are and where we're at. And I've been at fault at that too. I think, you know, for ages I thought, oh, you know, we're... We're uh, struggling to do this. We're struggling to do that. And then not so long ago, you stick your head up and look look where we are now. You know, we've um, we got teams in high places doing well. And I feel what that brings to the layman or, or the people in grassroots football is it pushes things like free-to-air television, then broadcasting across the nation, bringing some great flavours of football to our homes when maybe we... You know, can't afford or we're not on um, the commercial platforms, we can still watch the football and hopefully that sparks an interest, a greater interest and it all you know, rolls along a little bit better. With those numbers that we've got yeah. in participation that we all think, oh, okay, what are we doing with that? Maybe this is what we're doing with that. Yes, uh, I agree and even I'm, I'm seeing it at our local club level where, where it's probably the first time in about five or six years that I've seen a number of uh, junior players coming from AFL. Um, normally we lose quite a lot um, to, to the sport, especially at that early teen, um, you know, the, the pre-teen um, age. But seeing this year, I'm seeing quite a few coming into the sport and maybe that is part of that promotion of, this, of um, us on, on free-to-air and I think it's been a lot better than it has been. Um, Socceroos making the World Cup has made more more noise and more news than it has in the past. Um, so, I, yeah, maybe it is. We're finally getting our uh, our. Um, we're getting what we're paying yes. for, perhaps. I mean, the, we're creating <laughs> the pathways, and we're now seeing that those pathways are leading to places. And look, if you want um, a sport that's economical and uh, that is high profile then that might be AFL. If you want a pathway to another place, um, then that might be our brand of football, the world game. So, yep, uh, we'll see what happens after the next 12 months of football international competitions that Australia is competing in. It's uh, it's very exciting. Is it? And yeah. it's good that it's going to be on free-to-air football. The Channel 10 network is going to be showing you know, our Socceroos and our Matildas, games coming up. This year, next year, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, and it'll be really interesting. Um, our, our first guest, guest uh, Abid, it'll be really interesting to see um, how how he sees it being out 
in the community and, and being that first-hand look of um, what's happening out, out in our community, but also at the Football West level. He'll see... The Connect. The Connect and, yep. and see, you know, the... Um, I know that... Um, uh, Football West have been um, scrambling to to put fixtures together and everything because we've had such a huge yeah. um, influx this year. So plus um, COVID yeah. management as well COVID has been absolutely yeah. hell for yeah. everyone. Uh, we've got to give a big thank you to all of our partners and sponsors, members and listeners. Thank you everybody who throws in the odd uh, twenty, thirty, forty dollars uh, to support us. We are a community program and we are all volunteers we do it because we love it so i give andy heaps when he's in here but it's just because i love having him in here so i appreciate your your input andy and your bum on your chair there thank you uh thanks to futsal wa gate and fence hardware wa and oswest fencing and wrought iron and everybody who lands on our facebook page listens to the podcast and contributes in any way to the program that makes us who we are so we thank you very much we are going to go to a break and come back and chat more football this is Andy and Penn on the World Football Program. Stay with us. Oh, don't relax. I want elbows and backs. I want to see everybody from behind. Oswest Fencing and Raw Iron is a fourth-generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install, or automate your gates, offer electronic security, or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Raw Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Now I believe he's gonna work me into the ground. I pull to the left, I keep to the right. I ought to kill him, but it wouldn't be right. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. Welcome back to the World Football Programme. Andy and Penn in the studio today and we're having a chat to Abid Imam, the Football West Engagement Officer. No, Engagement Lead. Sorry, Abid. <laughs> good morning. Welcome. Yeah, good morning, Penny and Andy. Morning, Abid. Good listeners. Yep. Great hope, to be with you. Hope you're staying nice and dry and uh, avoiding all the wet weather. I'm uh, doing my best, but, uh, you know, with, a, with football being a winter sport, um, yeah. it is getting soggy. So, yeah, it's... Yeah. Uh, it, it is wet and soggy on days in winter, and uh, I'm amazed that uh, you can be coaching a team of young ones and they'll splash around in the puddles and then the game finishes and the, off they run to go home with their parents in their parents' car and there's no towels <laughs> and there's no umbrellas and no change of clothes. <laughs> 
But they That's love the it. joy of football. <laughs> That's the joy of it, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and uh, training day comes, though. They're all absent. Why is that? Yeah. <laughs> Sunshine brings yeah. everyone out. Actually, we see the process of our club is after the games, it's straight to the canteen for the hot chips. And uh, so I think that's when the parents are actually stripping them down and Sounds good. drying them off and laying the towels down in the car. I think. Actually, that's a, a, that would be good if the canteen was pretty close to the ground and the smell <laughs> wafted out and then the people start huddling around the canteen while they're watching the game. But I'm sure that would draw everyone in. Yep. Not sure all of the grounds around Perth are quite got to that point yet, Andy, so it's a yeah, good one. And we should mention too, Vic Park Victory Soccer Club is the yep. club that you're representing today. Yes. Hello to all our Victory members and uh, go the Parkers. We're, we're still in the Metro League, so uh, uh, Cup, uh, Metro Cup, I should say. So um, that's always our, our big uh, swan song. We love Cup competition, so... Yeah, the boys are doing pretty well there, and um, we won on a penalty shootout, just like the Socceroos! <laughs> Sorry, I'm still excited about that. Yeah. yeah, the women's have a pretty decent team too. One of our players uh, uh, transferred, uh, Janine Victoria, transferred from our Metro Women into the Vic Park, and they're in the same league, so we're going to be playing against them <laughs> at some point soon. Watch out. I'm the goalkeeper and Janine's a goal scorer. That'll be an interesting match-up. Nice. So there is another connect here, of course, a bid with the um, United Reds Football League. And we did see that uh, during the week, Fat Cat appeared um, with uh, telethon representation and, and the Football West. Tell us about the connect and, and what happened there. Yeah, we're very excited that the Premier League teams will be coming to WA or Perth in, um, in the next month now. So yep. It's coming quickly, but... It all starts from 2019 when Manchester United visited Perth and they wanted to leave a legacy and that legacy was to develop with uh, Football West and Inclusion Solutions a uh, United Reds Football League. And it was really about um, being uh, all-inclusive, the kids, um, all abilities and a a club-run program, which I know Andy was close to Andy's heart and Vic Park as well as they're one of the clubs uh, who are delivering it so well and uh, and they're coming back Manchester United with their foundation so uh, it, it was a great opportunity with Telethon to highlight that you know two and a half years on from that program starting it's still going um, wonderfully and I think there's seven clubs now across the metro area that that are running it and I've seen great benefits because providing another pathway for kids to join the sport and to show you talked about running in the puddles, but just the joy of football uh, when you've got the ball at your feet, everyone's equal. And uh, next week is actually linking in with that. We've got the uh, Football Futures Foundation Disability Inclusion Round. So that'll be from um, Friday the 24th to Sunday 26th of June and really about celebrating uh, people with a disability in the WA football community and acknowledging the work of clubs and, and inclusive programs. So uh, we also want to talk about the clubs that are currently delivering, but also support those that are interested in delivering in the future. And to, um, with, there's resources, there's, there's a network of support uh, and, and how to actually do that and, and, um, and you know ask us any questions. So, yeah, it's an exciting time with that. Abid, I feel that you skipped, or maybe I didn't hear in that, that when the Manchester United squad come to town, they're having an open training session and, and one of the things that um, they were... Well, the, the the reporting was was that there's going to be a five dollar charge, and that the money will go to the United Reds League. Is that so? Yes, 
that is true. Um, and that was done in 2019 as well when they trained at the Wacker. Uh, you know, the, the money went to the Telethon and, and, and through to United Reds as well. So, yeah, there's, uh, that's going to be a wonderful opportunity, really exciting for the fans to see top players, but then also for it to benefit uh, the local community here. You can't ask for a better type of, uh, type of opportunity. So we're very excited about that one. Yeah, I have no idea how many people attended the training session back in 2019, but I should imagine that uh, at five bucks a head, there'd be a few people um, getting onto Ticket Tech um, for the 21 July training session to have. I'm definitely interested in getting to that. So, And I know that the game sold out. Um, sorry, the game, um, the Aston Villa versus uh, Manchester United game is sold yeah. out. I don't know about the other one, but it just shows the popularity of the, the clubs coming here and uh, our appetite for international football. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Bring on a uh, big shout-out to the Gunners when you're coming, guys. Come on, come on. <laughs> need to see my team. Yeah, that match on the Friday before the Villa United game will be Palace versus Leeds, and um, there will be a junior football march that's being planned for the pre-game of that one. So there will be thousands of juniors from across our clubs Um being involved, which will be really exciting for those players to be able to walk onto the hallowed turf of, uh, of Optus Stadium. Abed, tell us about the events and forums that you've been helping conduct over the past um, <clears throat> couple of years or so. I, I know there's been a uh, move to put a, put a lot of them online or connect with online as, rather, uh, as well as face-to-face because of COVID management. How is that all going? How's the response from the football community We've started a, a Hyundai Building Stronger Clubs series, uh, and it's been. Well, it started with the female football forum, which we did at Florida Athena, and it was a uh, a panel discussion with leaders from across uh, football. And what we saw was there's real thirst of knowledge and networking from across our clubs. Football West can take the lead to um, organise opportunities where we can showcase what clubs are doing and share ideas because, you know, a rising tide lifts all the boats. And uh, and we've done webinars as a bit of a pilot to see you know, the different topics on sponsorship, fundraising, digital engagement, and the the uh, the traction has been really good. The next step now is uh, the webinars are awesome because it allows people from regional WA to tune in and see it at the convenience of the, uh, at their own convenience. But I think we'd love to do more in person, so that's the plan for I think the second half of the season or this year to just have the platform for clubs to talk with each other. I think they love the networking and share ideas. So that's something we can expect from from the um, Building Stronger Club series, which Hyundai have been supporting as well. That that I can say um, personally, you know, being involved in in clubs all my life in in WA, that's been the biggest um, tick in the box for for Football West um, that I've ever seen. Um, All the clubs, you go to all the clubs, I get phone calls from other clubs all the time and we're all experiencing the same problems. Um, We're all trying to solve the same um, uh, issues and um, what these webinars have done is, is given that oh, okay, well, yeah, we, yeah, we, we all at least are on the same uh, pain and, and talking, um, talking about the issues in, this, in the same way and that, you know, we have that, 
that uh, common media now and and it's it's been really good um you know so sometimes at those women webinars i've seen some comments come up where some cops have said well you know we actually solve it by doing this and that's given you know the other clubs an, an avenue to to go down and have a look at and so rather than having these isolated all oh, these clubs having um these problems solved in isolation it's been really good a bit i love the fact that um that's really building not only stronger clubs but stronger club community which has been really good really impressive thanks andy yeah, yeah that's so nice to hear and uh yeah while we can cross the line on the pitch and uh, teams want to win games uh, we as football need to work together as we know with you know getting more facilities and funding and and to develop the awareness of the game we know that huge participation numbers but uh, yeah there's, there's definitely areas we can improve in terms of when we build stronger clubs the game gets the game gets better for players and yeah. assistants so yeah, uh, yeah and thanks to the clubs who have shared you know when, when you got the president of Perth Soccer Club talking about their strategies for getting more sponsors or Joondalup City or Yanship United who have um, really been uh, very good with their time uh, so yeah we'll build we'll keep building on that so good to hear andy thanks the other thing too i wanted uh, a bit of um, praise in our inclusion program too that it's it's um we're seeing in in just in our club how uh whilst we've got these players in and playing in our and training and playing in our inclusion leagues um, before long, they're looking at joining our our uh, our metro leagues, and they've come across and felt a bit more comfortable to participate in our um, in our first squads, and and that's been really good. I've I've it's put a huge smile on my face to see these kids that you know the parents are basically dragging them out of the car, and they're not sure if they even want to come out into onto the park and um and train and and then now they're uh regular starters for our you know feeling our, confident and our, comfortable our league teams that's and great. i absolutely love it i think that's you know exactly <coughs> one of the big um principles of the of the why we started the league in the first place and yeah so i can see it um actually coming to fruition just even at our local club that's it i mean every player's journey is, is unique and it doesn't uh, need to just start at, uh, at the Mini Roos. You know, you can start through United Reds and find the right environment, get comfortable. It's about families getting comfortable with the, the new routine of maybe being part of a, a, a football club or even a sports club for the first time. And then it's so nice to hear that uh, players can progress within the clubs in their pathway and go on to anything, really. So that's exciting. Yeah. A bid with the live streaming that Football West has really pushed along in the last couple of years, besides the obvious benefits of access by members and uh, people that can't get to games, has there been another spin-off for Football West in terms of, I don't know, attracting sponsorship to the game or any anything else that uh, from a strategic or corporate level is, is a good spin-off? That's a really good question. I think what it's done is it's grown the awareness of of the game and made it more accessible as well because when you got NPL TV, the app, it's a really good service that has made you know most of the those uh, leagues now watchable uh, from anywhere at your convenience, which is what we we love. But it's been good for our players as well to be able to review their games and and to have the players be be scouted 
potentially even, yeah. Yeah. or um, from other other leagues, which is good for their development. So uh, that that has been a good thing. And then from a Football West um, perspective with sponsorship, I can't really speak to that, but I know that it definitely with the increasing viewership, that's a good thing for uh, more commercial opportunities. And I know we just want to keep growing and and. And, and the capacity for more games to be on there as well. There's leagues that aren't quite covered just yet. So uh, that's an exciting state. Absolutely. Now, um, we are going to let you go just in a couple of minutes, but I, I'd like to know how clubs generally are travelling through the COVID period, besides fixturing, refixturing, sickness, getting better, isolation, all, all that. What are you noticing out there in club land? Uh, the first word that came to my mind when you mentioned that was probably resilience. You know, I think what everything has shown is so much has been thrown at our clubs and, and the football community. And what I've seen is just volunteers who are so passionate, giving so much of their time, have been very, very understanding and selfless. And uh, it's just admirable, really. And uh, really thank volunteers for what they do at the clubs because we wouldn't have any of, of the football that we talk about if, if it wasn't for them, you know, giving back to the community, which is a really special thing. Um, yeah, we're at, we at Football West just want to be there to support and, and to help. And the things that we mentioned, Andy was saying, you know, no clubs alone in terms of what you're going through, just for them to be aware that um, you can always reach out to us. Uh, we might not have the answers, but we might be able to point you in the right direction, you know. So that's what I've seen. Uh, just you know, every day, I'm, this, this week, every day, I've actually been at a new club and uh, people are upbeat, you know, the, the season in uh, what you could call almost an autopilot boat now, a few rounds in. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really thank the volunteers. We can't thank them enough, but, you know, we just had volunteer week pretty recently, and that's what um, I think of when you ask me that question, Penny. It's really it's really funny that, you know, we, we talk about COVID, we talk about all the, the huge impacts that our sports had, yet this year I think... Uh, We've we've made everyone in Football West get grey hair by by adding so many new <laughs> clubs and teams, hasn't it? It's been a big influx this year. It is, it is, yeah. Teams wise, yes. I think we clubs. What we're doing is we're trying to be a bit more strategic with our, our growth of clubs, and we actually launched a new club policy uh, last year, mm-hmm. and um, it was re- really about saying let's build our existing clubs and. If there's new clubs that want to start, they've got to be more sustainable and have a certain distance away from existing clubs, have the facilities in place, um, have participation opportunities for different types of players. Um, and if they don't, then you know we, we have to be a bit more rigorous with that. So that's been about trying to control that growth, especially in certain corridors of Perth, you know, the north and, and, and such. So, uh, yeah, teams-wise, that's awesome. Clubs-wise, I think we're trying to consolidate and work with the existing clubs around the things we've already spoken about too. Yeah, that consolidation that you're talking about, I've heard that over many, many years, but <clears throat> maybe it just took this clincher of COVID to realise that there's only so many resources out there and that we might want these things, but if you need help or problems occur, then we've only got the existing resources to rely upon and how are we going to use those best? So it's mm. good to hear that the action plan is consolidation. I like it. Yeah, one of them is facilities because, you know, with all these postponements of matches, yeah. we've had to be, um, there's been, needed to be quite some flexibility around when games can be played and then if 
the club doesn't have the lighting that's required, then that makes it tough. So it, it's brought to the fore the need for you know investment in facilities and how clubs can work together and work with their uh, government bodies to advocate for that. And, and Football West do help in that regard as well. Um, so yeah, that's that's one where every case is different, but we can be a partner to helping with trying to get those efforts for better um, floodlighting or change room facilities that are uh, female friendly. Those things are, are really a priority for us too. We are going to let you go on the back of what I got out of this uh, interview with you is the connect and the sharing that is happening more and more and that might be under the COVID period that we've had to operate differently but I, I see some good things coming out of it and I really like it. Thanks so much for sharing today, Abid. Thanks so much and to everybody. Um, if I, there's one thing I can uh, just mention, it'll be the Hyundai Community Football Raffle and yep. encouraging everyone to get a ticket. Only $2, money goes straight back to the clubs and amazing prizes, about $50,000 worth of prizes, including uh, Women's World Cup tickets next year, a great sports car that you can win. Uh, awesome initiative. Uh, really thank you for your time, Penny and Andy. Good on you. Thanks a bit. Have a safe See weekend. You See too. You See ya. Bye. That was Abid Amimah, Imam, the Football West engagement lead. <laughs> it's a mouthful when I try and say Football West titles. <laughs> it's another thing to, to add that... Um, I've noticed uh, that the the uh, availability and the promotion of more um, community-oriented um, coaching courses has been a bit of a step up this year too. So, um, you know, Football West are, you know, trying to um, reach out and, and doing a lot more things for the club um, and be a bit more visible too. Uh, I think some of the clubs, um, some of the people at the clubs are saying, well, yeah, I didn't know that that course was available when it and was. And they're not all successful too. Like sometimes <coughs> they're not very well um, uh, patronised in terms of they might have an event, um, not enough people uh, are registered for it so that it's not happening, but they're trying to do all these things and it's not stopping them. So they're just going, okay, maybe we need to hit a different time or a different target group. Yep. And I yep. really like that. I think last week, last week or this week? Last week I think we had a women's football forum. Which was um, called off because there wasn't enough uh, yeah. people registered for it. Yep. 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 But uh, they had one a few weeks before that, which was a uh, women's football forum. Uh, I think that one was at Flora Athena. I'm not quite sure what yeah, I think so, yeah. the, the focus was of that one, but it was about women's football. So, yeah, so well done to Football West in, in moving into that space, which is definitely something that's increasing over the last couple of years and hope to see more of it into the future. This is Penn and Andy, and we are going to come back and have a chat to the Perth Glory coach, Ruben Zadkovic. Stay with us. People can't hide their passion. Don't hide yours. Join our team. Cristiano Ronaldo, Wayne Rooney, Veron. Hi. I'm Peter Skeeler. Everyone seems to think I'm the ultimate wingman and full of helpful information. It's true, I am. My passion is trivia and Australian football statistics. Check out aleaguestats.com 
my website where you can follow all the stats and results from the men's and women's A-leagues from the beginning of time, or at least 2005 and 2008 respectively. You're listening into the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle and we appreciate you tuning in. A true glory supporter is someone who gives a 100% on match day. Whether it's chanting, waving a flag. Always there, always passionate. Jumping up and down, going absolutely animal. And continuing to make an amazing atmosphere for football fans. I'll spend about eight to nine, maybe ten hours on glory uh, during the week when we're making our uh, banners and this and that. Well, the feeling when glory score is just the most phenomenal feeling ever. Everything just stops. So there's a whole brief feeling of silence. Something everyone just jumps up and down. eruption of cheering, yelling and flag waves. It's just one of those things when the goal hits the back of the net, it's an amazing it's an amazing situation. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penny and Andy in the driving seat until 12 o'clock. That was a promo from Perth Glory back in 2014 and you can hear the noise in the background there, Ruben, where Glory was Probably two-thirds, three-quarters filling the stadium. A lot of excitement there. Goals being scored, fans being excited. We want that all back, don't we, Ruben? <laughs> yes, we certainly do. Um, you know, we know that we know how, how good the Glory fans are when they come out in numbers and we know how committed and passionate they are. So we need to try and, you know, give them something to believe in again. Absolutely, we do. And welcome to the show, your first interview with us. Give us a little bit of the Ruben Zadkovich story for our listeners? Oh, the story. How far back do you want me to start, Penny? <laughs> start with all the brag factors, all the good ones, of course. <laughs> um, look, I'm, I'm someone who's been in the game, um, you know, since as early as I could walk. I had two older brothers and, um, you know, they took up football, so I just followed in their footsteps. And, um, yeah, you know, from grassroots level into representative teams at, at 10 and 11, um, spent most of my, my junior upbringing at Wollongong Wolves, um, you know, which were part of the old NFL, and I played for their junior teams and um, became a captain of those sides by about 15, you know, under-15s, under-17s. Grew up in a really successful age group. We, we won a lot of premierships and championships, so I think that's where I get a lot of my, um, you know, drive to be successful. Um, we, we were obviously a very successful group. Uh, five or six of that under-17s team went on and played for Australia. Um, so, yeah, uh, then I went um, overseas when I was 17, 18, played. Um, I took myself overseas, you know, paid my own flight over there and, and hang around and tried to get a trial with a few teams and ended up landing with a, a day's training session at QPR and did well in that day and a couple of weeks later signed a pro contract and you know, from there, my career took off, um, spent a year there, went out on loan in League Two and played when I was 18, 19 for Notts County for a couple of months, um, got caught into the Australian 20 squad, 
Um, went to down to 20s World Cup, which was in Holland, which was great because I've got my mum was born in Holland, so I got a Dutch passport. So came back, signed for Sydney FC. It was all a bit of a whirlwind. Um, I was an injury replacement in that first season. We won the championship. Um, played with Sydney for a few years, which, which was great. Um, then moved over to Derby County, went to the Olympics, made my debut for Australia, um, scored at the Olympics, played against you know the likes of Messi and Yusan Tadic for Serbia and some of the world's best players, which was great. Signed at Derby, spent two years at Derby County and had a horror horror run with injuries. Had about 18 months out of the game and nearly had to retire with um, you know some failed groin surgeries and, and stuff. So... I had to then build myself back up through the Newcastle Jets. Um, you know, one-year contracts turned into two-year contracts and then spent five years of my life there. Um, captain the club, uh, a wonderful time for me, you know, resurrecting my career in, in a town which, you know, is very fun to me. I met my wife there. Um, signed for Perth Glory, spent a year here and then basically had to retire with a career-ending injury. Um, you know, I met some amazing people here and, and um, had some really strong connections, you know, with some quality people here at the club and, and, and in this place and um, went back to Newcastle and I'm now, now the proud dad of three beautiful young girls um, and, uh, yeah, me and my wife are very lucky now to be back in Perth and coaching, um, you know, at a club that I, that I really, really love and, um, yeah, so feeling very lucky and very grateful for my path in the game and, uh, you know, I coach um, because I like to give back and uh, it's a very re- rewarding process for me coaching. That's a journey that's taken you to a lot of places and been involved with a, a lot of things and, and gathered a lot of experiences. What was the tipping point to stay here in Perth? Well, like I say, I had, a, I had great memories of, of my time here in Perth as a player. First of all, I was there um, under Kenny Lowe who brought me here and Kenny was... Um, you know, a super guy and a super coach and, um, you know, really cared for me and looked after me a lot. He was one who kind of pushed me into coaching a little bit when I was injured. So the second year of my contract, I spent as an assistant with the youth team um, and that was kind of my grounding into coaching and went back to Newcastle for five or five years or so, uh, maybe six years and, you know, I was coaching, you know, full-time there at MPL level and had some success and then that was when I, I really, you know, crystallised to me that, this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life is coach. And um, when the opportunity came to come back to Perth, you know, as an assistant under Richie and Stevie and, and, um, and also head up the youth team and the academy, um, you know, it was, a, it was an opportunity too good to turn, to turn down. And because of my love for Perth, it's a great place here, full of great people. And, yeah, I've just got really good ties with the club, so it, it made sense. And, you know, that's progressed into me now being the head coach, you know, of, a club that I that I love, so now I'm I'm you know very driven to you know to to bring success back to this group and this in this club. Well done, Ruben. I was going to ask about your your coaching ties, and and it's it's great to hear a nod to to Kenny. But um, so was it? Do you have um, key mentors that are that have helped you along the way, and um, and certainly are helping you now? in terms of um, getting this role, or was this one that you were just beating down the door to say, give it to me? Uh, yeah, a bit of both, you know. Like, I'm very, again, I want to stress that point. I'm very lucky. Um, I feel very fortunate to have had, you know, won the career I had as a player and um, and and also the connections I've now got as a coach as a result of that. So, you know, to give you a little bit of a, a bit of, a, of an example, you know, I had Ange Postacoglu for a couple of years 
in our um, under-20s campaign that led to the under-20s World Cup in yeah. Holland. So, you know, Ange is someone that I worked with for a long period and very closely. And, you know, um, a strong point of mine is, is um, you know, my memory of, you know, it was something that always came naturally to me. I remember a lot of things. Um, childhood memories are very clear and, and, and concise to me. So, you know, school wasn't so hard because of that. You know, I was always, you know, doing pretty well at school academically. So I remember a lot of things. So working under coaches like, um, you know, Ange Postacoglu for a couple of years, Graham Arnold in our Olympic campaign, we were the first team to qualify through through that Asian qualification into the Olympics at Beijing. And that was, you know, a two-and-a-half-year process, 19 games, both home and away, all around the world. Um, and, um, again, I worked with, with Graham, you know, very closely, and he's still someone that, He's probably my strongest mentor and someone that I speak to often. And, um, and yeah, like I said, I'm very fortunate. There are other coaches, people like Pierre Lipbarski, who's, you know, a number 10 for, for Germany and, and won World Cups. He was my first coach at Sydney FC. Um, yeah, worked really closely with, with Gary Van Egmond and others. So, like, I'm very lucky to have a lot of good, strong mentors, not only in Australia, but then also in my time in England as well. Played under some, some Premier League managers in Ian Holloway and Paul Jewell. So, You've been yeah, very, very good mentors. Well, it's good for us as well. I, I think we've got a bit of a, we being Perth Glory fan, um, we've got a bit of a coup in, in grabbing you as well. Um, you seem to have a bit of a Midas touch with uh, your coaching already, uh, either as coach or assistant coach. Um, many of the teams you you have named and, and been involved with have, have had some great successes. So well done and um, I, for one, am in the purple. We're looking forward to um, what, what the new squad can do yeah thanks you know like I say a lot of it's uh, timing as well um, yeah. but even in my coaching at Broadman Magic there was a club that was the first club that I was you know the head coach of and we had successes there and it took a little bit of time but um, that was you know, Brody wasn't that old Brody well Broadmeadows wasn't it yeah, old Broadmeadow Magic, the Massos, mate. So yeah. the Massos uh, looked after me very, very well. And um, and that's, you know, again, that was, you know, my first foray into into running a club. And I ended up, you know, we ended up creating a director of football role there. And, um, you know, we went, in the two first years I was there, we were we were sixth and seventh in the club championship, um, you know, out of 12 teams. And in the year I was director of football where I had a, a more... Um, important role in coaching the coaches and, and putting procedures in place for the whole club. You know, we went and won the club championship and, and we had success. So, yeah. you know, coaching's a bit of a process. It does take time. I've, I know the, the gravity of the task at hand here at, at Perth and um, we've got a massive rebuild on our hands and, um, you know, I'm going to give every senior of myself to, to try and get the club back to where it needs to be. Ruben, you, 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 your your profile, your CV and uh, uh, everything you've done already, you're, you're talking like a 60-year-old already. You've gotten <laughs> the amount of experience you've got in such a, um, a young body um, is going to be nothing but great things for, for, for the future in, in Australia. And we um, certainly it's, I think, again, it's a great, win for, for Perth Glory to have you. I really appreciate it, mate. Yeah, really appreciate those words. Ruben, talk to us about your coaching philosophy. What can we expect in the Glory squad coming up the new season? Uh, well, the coaching philosophy is obviously, you know, something that's very complex and it has a lot of, you know, diff- different moving parts. In terms of the playing style, it's very, it's interesting because if you ask, 
coaches of their playing style. Nearly everyone will have you know the same type of philosophy. They want to play attacking, want to be entertaining, um, you know, want to be on the front foot, you know, and I'm no different. So uh, a lot of that comes down to then you know what's available at your you know at your services, what players you have, the type of cattle that you're working with. Um, in the context of, of your resources at the club, it, it all plays a part. So, you know, my, my coaching philosophy, uh, first and foremost, is around, you know, getting the right people. Um, I'm very, very big on um, personality and characters and, and uh, all the good teams that I've been involved in, you know, are full of people that, uh, you know, are selfless and give a lot of themselves, you know, for the team and the club and, uh, that's my first point of call always when building teams is to find the right type of people that um, can help create the culture that we want and the environment that we want. Um, on the pitch, how I want it to look is I want it to look like a Ruben Zakovich coach team and, you know, I'm passionate and driven and, and aggressive and hungry and, you know, that needs to be reflected in the way we go about our business. Um, you know, I want us to be extremely hardworking and proactive um, you know, with the ball and without the ball. And um, I want, you know, the crowd to be able to feel that passion and feel that um, hunger. And I think that's a, a big part of the teams I coach and how we play is, you know, managing momentum in our favour by, you know, controlling as much as we can. I'm very, very detailed and uh, I spend a lot of time in, you know, you know, sometimes to the players' uh, dislike, I spend a lot of time in, in small moments that, that matter you know, when you add them all up. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's a complex process and it's one that, that takes time to build from the ground up. And you've had some um, key signings already come in that um, has probably been a bit of a shuffle already from last year's squad. Yeah, correct. You know, it's my first opportunity to, to make some changes. Um, you know, some players depart and some new ones come in. And, you know, that, again, that's a, a little bit of a giveaway of, the style of football that I want to play, um, you know, pace is something that uh, I felt that we were severely lacking in, especially in that top half. And players like Hatch and uh, Kolakowski on in wide areas will will give us some pace, um, some much needed pace in behind, and, and to create that more of a threat uh, in that front third. And then you've got the likes of you know two Socceroos and two players that are kind of at the peak of their powers in Ryan Williams and Mustafa Amini, mm. you know. They're at that perfect age, at that 28, 29, 30 type age where, you know, some of their best years could potentially be ahead of them, but they also come with a wealth of experience. And if you kind of look at the signings I've made already, young Keegan Jelicic is a, a player who likes to play in the pockets and he's very creative and technical, similar to, to Ryan Worms. He can play in the pockets, but he can also be a threat in behind, very versatile, very good uh, in combination play. And, you know, someone like Mustafa Amini, someone who likes to feed these people. And then if you, you know, look at the threats in those young two players that we've got in wide areas, I think it gives us a little bit better balance in that attacking half, which is something that, you know, an area that we obviously need to improve dramatically. in. Even um, uh, that Amini is, um, again, he's, he's someone that, that like you, is um, has all this experience in such a, a young body, as you said. He's got some great years ahead of him. I think he's got... He's got nine or ten years at, at Dortmund, I think, and uh, you know that's that's so exciting. I'm I'm, I'm going to be the first to grab that um, purple shirt with a meanie on the back, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's yeah. yeah he's very we call him Musti. Musti's a um, <laughs> he's a good example of what I was saying before about characters. He's a he's an amazing character. 
first and foremost, he's a, you know, he's a funny guy, and uh, I think that's that's important. I think for the dressing room, you know, for the club, he's someone that the people can get behind. He's got a, he's always got a smile on his face. He's always working hard. Um, he's just a great person, first and foremost. Um, but he's got a real edge, and what I mean by that is he's very competitive. And uh, his conversations with me, he's someone I played against in the A-League way back in the in the early days. And so I remember his talent. I then followed him from afar through his career when he was playing for Jurgen Klopp at Dortmund and, you know, applying his trade through some of the big leagues in Europe. Um, I think we're very lucky to have him, if I'm honest. And I think that, you know, he's someone that the fans and the crowd and, and also the his new teammates, I think he'll he'll grow on everyone because he's a, he's a real he's a real character. Ruben, before we let you go, one of the big things that we all want to know as fans is how the club is going to re-engage to get the fans back supporting Perth Glory. Yeah, Penny, you know, um, it's something that I'm that I'm very passionate about. Obviously, you know, we've had a, a lot of moving parts at the moment with our new facility down in Fremantle, um, you know, creating a new high-performance centre and new training grounds and a new squad and new staff appointments. There's a lot of moving parts at the moment, but a big part of our pre-season programming is going to be, you know, to get some of these, uh, well, some of our new players and some of the current players out a little bit more than they were into the community and and into, you know, schools and local clubs. And um, you can't really fake that. You can't fake the community engagement. It's something you've got to go and earn. It's kind of like earning people's respect and earning people's friendships and support. You, you've got to get out there. You've got to show that you care. Um, I'm very big on that. So, you know, you'll see me uh, popping out and about as much as I can and all of my staff and all of my players. And, you know, if we start to drive that and start to push that, um, you know, I feel that the fans will, will have, like I say, something more to believe in and, and start to have a closer connection to the team, which... You know, it's had in the past. I was here as a player. It's not. It's not like I'm reinventing the wheel. I was part of a, a team under Kenny where, you know, I remember going out to schools and, you know, it was a thing that we did often out into schools, out into football clubs, and you know, I met so many amazing people and the support behind the team was good. And so, you know, that's a similar process that I want to apply. But obviously, I've got my own uh, ambitions of what that looks like. And you know, so does the club. There's a lot of good people at the club working really hard, and they're going to be pushing us all out into that community. And you know, we're really looking forward to engaging with the fans. Are you are you going to be putting your body under duress by uh, jumping four foot in the air on every goal we score, or <laughs> are you one to sit back and give a smile? Nah, look, I uh, to be honest, I don't even know what I do because I'm always so focused <laughs> with the players. My care my care for the players is always paramount, and you know, I make a big deal about those moments, positive moments. Um, you know, it's not so much about what I'm doing. I just hope we can get the fans, you know, off their seats and enjoying Fantastic. the game and, and give them more to cheer about. That's that's probably the big focus for me. Ruben, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate your confidence and you have a very clear voice for radio so you can come back and have a chat to us anytime. <laughs> it works. Cheers, Penny. Cheers, I think I've got a head for radio, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> have a great weekend, Ruben. Thank you. Thanks, Ruben. Thanks, Thanks Bye. guys. Bye. Ruben Zadkovich, Perth Glory coach. Says How all exciting. the right things, right? And, oh, yeah, uh, comes absolutely. across as being very grounded, down to earth, realizing what we need from the club to re-engage with it. The beauty Ruben brings to the club is not only at a coaching level; he's done a lot of um, aspects that can relate. That yeah, mm. and and tie into the coaching role. So, 
I think that's very useful mm. as a coach. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for this season. And so, as he said, some of the signings um, he's managed to get and, and also pre-Ruben uh, as well uh, uh, that have come in, very exciting. Mm. He seems to uh, very analytical mind and a good memory so he's trying to connect everything together, all the little things. Yes. And I really like that because it's all those little things that make up the whole. And like you said, that um, you know you can't fake some things; they just are. So we'll see him, or we won't. We'll see what happens. Yeah, very go excited. Glo- go glory! Good. We're always excited at the be- <laughs> beginning of a, a potential new season coming along. <laughs> all right, this is Penn and Andy. We'll be back very shortly to have a chat to Lisa Murphy. We aren't just the people who mow your lawn. We aren't just the people who paint your houses. We aren't just office workers or taxi drivers or even the family next door. Underneath it all, we are fans. No matter when, no matter where, we'll be there. to let your inner fan in. No guts, no glory. 107.9 FM, your local station. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron is a fourth generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Welcome back to the World Football... What are you laughing at? Uh-oh. Uh, you heard that. <laughs> that was me singing to Roy Orbison. Come on. How can you not sing to the man? This is Penny and Andy. Exactly. We're back on the World Football Program with Lisa Murphy, formerly Lisa Ward, always known to me as Lisa Ward, but loving you as Lisa Murphy. Well done to your entire life of football, you Southwest legend and Bunbury Dynamos legend. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Thanks, Penny. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about uh, the Lisa Ward Murphy portfolio. What's in your pathway? <laughs> where I've been or where I'm going? <laughs> oh, wow. There's probably still a lot of places you've got to get to, but what are some of the brag things along your way? 
Uh, I'd have to say my biggest brag thing would be the only female of the Southwest and out of the men, actually, to win the Southwest Player of the Year as well as the Perth Premier Division Player of the Year. That would have to be my top notch on my portfolio. 2012? Now, what year was that, Lisa? Oh, your guess is probably better than mine, Jenny. <laughs> I, I, I'm guessing at 2012, I think. And that's definitely a good notch you can have on your belt. Yep, I'm, I'm happy with that yeah. one. Yeah. Mm. And uh, Southwest uh, Hall of Famer as well. Saw that uh, nice brag shot with John O'Connell there. Of course, he's a uh, football Hall of Famer for Western Australia. Um, and, yeah, but, and Radio Fremantle. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's certainly done yes, the yards. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So Actually, least... my husband has just walked in, Penny, with the trophy. It was 2010. Oh, oh God. I what a husband. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Good lad. So so when 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 is the husband? Because I know you as Lisa Ward as well. So when, when was the uh, Murphy marriage? 2015 we got married. Oh, remember that, that a, one really that was a good easy. A, yeah, lucky. With a husband nearby, you had to get that one right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's listening. <laughs> good one. So uh, Bunbury Dynamos has been your club forever. I'm not ever sure if you've kind of meandered anywhere else along the journey. Is that like slap my hand? It's always a Dynamos kind of thing? Uh, Dynamos is definitely my home and will always have my heart, but I've obviously played for the Southwest Phoenix as well, which yep. was our representative team in Perth. Um, that was really hard, only having one really full squad, but trying to field two squads to compete. Um, we did that in the Premier Division, um, obviously for that one year, and then dropped down to the Metro Division, um, which we um, fielded our own Dynamos team in the comp, which we ended up winning. Did did the guys do the same thing when they put a, the Southwest Phoenix team in the Perth competition? Are the players allowed to then play on their local competitions in the Southwest, like the women do? They used to be able to, um, but then I think maybe five years ago, if I'm correct, they made the ruling that no, they only can play for one. And we one club. So it can either be the Southwest Phoenix team yeah. or your local clubs. You couldn't play for both. And we haven't seen we haven't seen the Dynamos in the Women's Cup come up to Perth. Is that something that's That's I've correct. Or, yeah, yeah, we've lost a lot of numbers. Um we lost maybe over half of our squad maybe two years ago to the football league, the AFL league down here. Um and we just have been struggling to rebuild. Now we've we're struggling to field one senior women's team. Um, last year we played in the reserve comp, which was a first for myself, and I've played the club now for 36 years. And um, Far out. that was a big drop. Yeah, it was a big drop in playing style, um, I must say. Um, and it's just really hard to see that we're going a little bit backwards in our women's team at our club anyway. And um, hopefully that, in the next few years we'll rebuild again. Is that um, is that happening across the board in the in the area? Is it, do you finding uh, participations dropping or moving to other sports? Is AFL we taking did. them away? Yeah, most definitely. Most clubs felt that big hit in that last couple of years, but it's changing again. We're finding a lot of um, women are coming back to soccer. 
Um, and uh, this is going off the track a little bit here, but only because of that situation. There's been a lot of racism in the football AFL down here. Right. And I think a lot of the people are making a stand and going, no, nah, we're not doing that anymore. That's not part of our sporting criteria. And so we've had a lot of women come back, which has yeah. been great. And we're trying, even in the soccer committee, to rule out that completely. We don't want any of that. We're, and we're, same with, we're with, noticing that up in the um, a few of the metro clubs and certainly my club, Victoria Park, are, are noticing that as well. We're starting to get some of them back. Not only through yep. the uh, and racism has been raised as well, um, but also mm-hmm. for injuries. You know, because we got um, oh. we're going we're get, we've got these ladies and girls that are picking up a sport for the first time, due, using a different muscle set that are really struggling and you know have played it or signed up for it for three years and you know uh, barely played um, a lot of games because through injuries, and so they're coming actually uh, back for soccer for those two main reasons. I'm finding females are playing both, mm. L- literally are playing yep. AFL yep. and they're playing soccer. Yep. I don't know how their bodies yep. can handle it. <laughs> they're younger than us. I'm actually. the same, yep, the same. <laughs> I can't understand how they're doing it. I'm struggling to get through one game. <laughs> it's a lot of training sessions and some of them are back-to-back in the yeah. same night. They're just starting yep. early. Talking about that, injury, yeah, talking about the injuries, I'm not going to lie, this year the injury count has been ob. We have had so many knee, ankle injuries um, this year. And I'm not sure if it's because of the COVID situation. One week we can play, next week we can't play. Um, And and then we're trying to follow the men. And also, too, it's been um, COVID in the last few years. Like We we haven't been as active um, as as we have been. We had isolation. Training schedules haven't been so consistent. Yep, mm-hmm. and and yeah, absolutely. That's I've seen that that injury list. Um, we lost our golden boot in the last couple of years, um, or oh, a month or so ago now. So it's a good thing in that we've got him into coaching. But um, what about condition of grounds? Has that yeah. impacted uh, weather-wise, or uh, <laughs> more people using the facility than have done so before because of an increase in the participation, or more sports teaming up on the same ground? Have you noticed that? Oh, our cow paddocks that we play in? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the pitches are really not surviving well at all. Not with... I mean, our main playing pitch for our club, we have juniors train on that weekly. The seniors don't train on that pitch, but the juniors do. But we also have juniors play on that same pitch that we use for our league games. So it's nearly sand and mud come these wintry days. And you're out there with a broom sweeping the water off the pitch sometimes just so that you can play your game. Now, wow. isn't isn't that okay? If you're in England, wouldn't that be acceptable? <laughs> so why isn't it acceptable here? <laughs> as long as you can do a knee slide, I'm sure, yeah, it's playable. <laughs> yeah. Do, you get, do you get much involvement with the councils on that? Are the councils being uh, um, um, responsive or proactive with you on, on trying to get the playing services um, up to code or is it up to, left um, up to you guys? It's pretty much left up to us, and we have been talking recently about maybe even moving our league pitch to a different ground, just mm-hmm. so that it is a little bit more surface level and playable. Um, but I must say that when cricket play on that pitch, it is pristine. But with the soccer, it's obviously not because of oh. all the the feet 
pathways across it with all of our studs and everything like that. But drainage yeah, or in the something. summer it looks so much better than it does when we play on it in the winter. Well, well, dynamos might might you know be a um, a trend club and play over summer. Yeah, align it with the Premier League. <laughs> yeah, well, we do have our summer soccer, which is great, but <laughs> summer soccer is becoming volatile. I must say, it's like we're playing for a million dollars. Yes. But we're not. It's just a fun club. <laughs> it's so serious. <laughs> mm. Is that mixed as well, Lisa? Is that a mixed comp? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're fine. Yeah, we we participate in a mixed comp too. And, yes, um, some of the... Some of the uh, teams there, we they do get a um, a little talking to to um, <laughs> calm down a bit. <laughs> yeah, it, it, we, the talking that we get from our club is: Can you train off the pitch? So do your warm ups outside of the pitch area, and we do have a lot of space yep. around it, so we're lucky we can do that. And then try and keep out of the goal areas where you can't. You have to practice in the goal areas because yeah. you want to shoot at the goals and yeah. get better at well, that's, that's right. Well, that's the problem. we got a lot of a lot of clubs in Perth have, are similar to us in that the lights that they do have are lit on the playing surface. Absolutely. So you train at yeah. night, you've got no option but to train yeah. on the playing surface. And, you know, it's a shame they can't be tilt. We've asked our local council actually just to tilt them aside so... We can train at night. Because um, you, you've outside. got your new light set up, haven't you? Not yet. Not oh, yet. We when's got, it? We've got the money. Okay. All right. Yeah. Oh, lucky you. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to land before the Women's World Cup, though, isn't it? Because that's yeah, what well, all that's the political right. parties are wanting. <laughs> that's, that's right. You know, part yeah. of their campaign. So, yeah, it's taken a few years. But, yeah, we've got the money now. We just have to, And it's on the plan, but we're just going to make sure it's not at the end of the uh, plan and at the start of the plan. So. I hope the... Con- the uh, contractors that you'll engage are not like brickies. We have to book them 12 months in <laughs> advance, right. otherwise you're stuffed. That's exactly right. <laughs> Lisa, yeah, well, we might get a new club room in the future, you know. It's been planned for a long time. Well, but... <laughs> I was just going to ask about that. Uh, you know, do the posters of, you know, yourself and your teammates on the walls, are they holding the walls up now? <laughs> uh, pretty much, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so can yeah. you guys, I, I think, you know, for you guys, I would be um, looking at, at running a, a pre-season or post-season competition just to raise some funds and um, because everyone Yeah, that's what our summer to. soccer season is okay. basically for. It okay. is to fund our season. Yeah. Um, we make, you know, that's our income for our season is the summer soccer. We wouldn't survive without the summer soccer. Yeah. Um, so we're thankful for that. But then we've got to catch 22. We really want this brand new club room because it is being held up by the women's trophy. <laughs> <laughs> but just joking. Um, <laughs> but then you've got the catch 22. We're going to get this new club. Where do we go for a year? And then once we have this new facility, well, we're going to have to pay to train there, to play there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're going to actually have to rent it. So then, you know, you've got to look at other ways that we can bring income into the club yeah yeah absolutely and um you're in quite a close proximity with other teams in bunbury there and the big hay park facility which is just down the road um is the hub of the bunbury soccer carnival which um brings in people and money and and so forth so you've got a bit of competition there yeah i mean we must say that the junior the junior club um for dynamo's they do um, their own carnival as well, so they bring in a lot of revenue, um, which is brilliant. But yeah, it's it's quite a yeah, it's a tough one. We, what we want is 
you know, it's going to be amazing, but we're also going to have to work to keep it. What about the history of Bunbury Dynamos? And, and I'll talk about uh, Ron Moss, who was also a Southwest legend and kept a lot of the historical information together in a, in a place. Is there another Ron Moss down that way? Oh, Penny, it's just not the same without him. We don't even have videos posted of games. We don't have no stats anymore. The pages that he set up on Facebook are so outdated. Wow. Um, he was the main man encyclopedia, not just for Dynamos, but for the Southwest. Yes. He yeah. is such a big loss. Yeah. I wonder where all that information is now too. It's uh, certainly should be captured because you're right. He was a bit of a hub for information in the southwest. If it's not being done now, we'd hate to lose all mm-hmm. that information. So I hope yep. that's uh, somewhere it's being archived. Maybe something for the well. Football. We're thankful that before Ron Moss passed, he did put um, together a book um, that had up until maybe I think it might have even been ten years ago where he had everything in that book from the start of everybody's soccer club to, to that day. Um, so we were lucky we still have that there. Yep. But in that, obviously, that last 10 years, that obviously has not been documented in a book or anything as such. It's just throughout the pages of social media. Mm. And yeah. what about what about the um, the World Cup that's that's um, coming up? The, the the boys and the um, ladies playing oh, next how year. Amazing. Yeah, how amazing. how amazing is that? Um, are you seeing <laughs> yeah. a bit of a influx in the in women? Is it, has it creeped into the uh, girl numbers yet? Or maybe not so much this year because obviously we're halfway through the season. Yeah. Um, hopefully next year. Yeah. Our numbers have pretty much stayed the same for the last three years, maybe by 20 people in seniors and juniors, either way, up or down. But back in 2018, we had like 300 plus juniors. Um, Now we're at 235 juniors. Right. So we've lost quite a lot of numbers in our code. Um, So hopefully they will come back because of the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. So you say you've got about 230-odd juniors at the club. Yes. What about seniors, like overall numbers? So overall for us as a club, we've got 76. 76 seniors? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So not that many. Mm. What's that, four teams or something? Yeah, four teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we're struggling to field full squads too, you know, with injuries. um, Oh, yeah, that's that's something I've noticed (laughs) as... uh, (laughs) Um, over the last couple of years when when recruitment uh, keep recruiting numbers on and I'm saying, whoa, 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 stop, stop, stop. And then all of a sudden, you know, we on paper we've got, you know, reserves. <laughs> and then, but yet come Sunday we're struggling the field 11. So, yep. yeah, yep. it's bizarre. Yeah, this That's year. That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. The start of the season you've got so many numbers. You're <laughs> thinking, oh, my God, we're going to hit so many people on the bench this yeah. week. Just They can't even get their name on the card. Yeah. But then come game day and we're playing away in Margaret River an hour away, we are playing with 10 men or nine men. Yeah. Um, with injured people as well. It's, yeah, hard. Yeah. Is that across the entire competition or that's not specific just to Dynamo, surely? No, no. It's across the, yeah. it's across the board. Um, like we've even got our top teams for the women. Del Yellup and Busso are fighting it neck and neck at the moment. 
Um, they both have a reserves and league team, but they're finding that they have to back it up. Re- reserves are having to play league um, just because the numbers are so bad with injuries and COVID. And, yeah, it's really hard. In Speaking now across the entire club and other clubs in the competition, how far do the men's and the women's have to travel for their league games? Uh, the furthest for us would be Margaret River for us. So about an hour, hour and a half max we travel. Yeah. And, and they would travel more than us, obviously, because a lot of our games are not... We're in Bunbury, so you've got Australian, Bufferton, they're not too far away. But Margaret River has to travel, you know, maybe every second week. Mm. So it's about like yeah. Mandra June Lup kind of fixtures maybe that happen here in Perth. It's yeah. Fair distance. So it's not too bad. It's, you know, par, par for the course. Yep. Mm. Yeah. And uh, talking about the numbers, like we played reserves last year and we played a team from Manjumup <laughs> and half their girls would drive from Perth because they're in uni. Um, half their girls would drive from Perth to Bunbury or wherever down here and the other half from Manjumup. And they would only have seven to eight players and they would get flogged every game, but they played with a smile on their face yeah. and a perfect attitude. So wow. kudos to them. <laughs> wow. And uh, let's yeah. talk about uh, Dave. So this is the Mr. Murphy part. Um, how, <laughs> how's his team going this year? Mr. Sexy Soccer? Yeah, they're doing okay. Um, <laughs> they're sitting third on the ladder at the moment. Um, they're only six points off Buffalo, who are league leaders at the moment. Um, so they could catch them. Um, but I must say, Buffer have a really good men's team this year. They've picked up some Venezuelan um, travellers. So they've got a really squad, good squad. Okay. It's uh, good yeah. that some touring players have landed in the Bunbury area. That, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not having the backpackers come through the southwest. Like, yeah. they bring a completely different level of soccer. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. And yeah. do you... So do you participate in a in a Southwest Cup that, that brings in the, the likes of Denmark and stuff or is it separate? Yeah, we do compete in a Southwest Cup. That's part of our regular fixture. Yeah. Um, so we've got a lot of cups actually. There's the Pioneer Cup, the Southwest Cup um, and I think there's another cup in there as well. So that, um, so that, so would, <laughs> so that would involve... <laughs> so that would involve... <laughs> yeah, but that's a good thing. But um, but that would involve a lot of travelling in, in those competitions, wouldn't it? Yes, yeah, but it's normally at one specific ground. So okay. we all come together on that specific that's day and idea. play out. Yeah. 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 And then the club that holds that, and it gets shared around, that club that holds that day then, you know, reaps the rewards and the benefits of having everybody there. Is that because the seasons are shorter? You have a cups at different parts of the year to add more fixtures in? I think so. Um, this is like our season this year, because we've had so many buys due to COVID, some of us are playing two games a week. So we're playing a Wednesday night game yeah. and then back it up with a Sunday game. Yeah. Mm. We feel so, your pain. You know, the injury toll is crazy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I get that. We have well, I'm 16 that I coach. We've got 16 players, and I'm I'll get 14 a week, and there'll be players who have been in isolation or they've been sick, and then 
then yep. someone else in the family's got sick and they're isolating or they all keep yeah just mm-hmm. uh, i understand it's it's a heavily managed kind of situation at the moment lisa it's been absolutely yep. fantastic having a chat to you thank you for sharing what's happening down that way and and hi to dave and everyone at bunbury dynamos appreciate your thank time you today so <laughs> good and we love the work you do to promote this wonderful sport as well so thank you both Oh. You're welcome. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Thank, Lisa. Thanks, and have a great weekend. Good luck with your games. Yeah, cheers. I'll need it. <laughs> See ya. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Lisa Ward-Murphy sharing the love. Yeah, that was, yeah. Did they go a bit funny? I think so. I might have yeah. lost you, but, yeah, Lisa Ward, yeah. the uh, the star from, what did we work out, 2010? Yeah. Footballer yep. of the year um, and doing great things down there, as always. I think last time I saw her face-to-face, we were, I think I was coaching a women's team in the Busso Cup that um, we managed to get over the line with them. But, again, her ethos of playing with a smile on the face is mm-hmm. um, always the case and even playing against the tough um, Bunbury teams, we, we always enjoyed them. Yep. Yeah. We're going to go to a break and talk more football after that with Neil Bennett. This is Pen and Andy on the World Football Program. Thank you for listening in. If you miss any part of the show, you can go to our website, theworldfootballprogram.com.au. That's with a double M-E and catch the podcast there. Catch you in a moment. I'm not a boy with a ponytail. I'm not you when you were a kid. The stuff your high school coach said to you will really, really motivate me. Not. I'm a girl. I'm a girl. We're girls and we play soccer. Girls need to be coached like girls. Me and Anne once said, coach me like a man, but treat me like a woman. Are you going to argue with me a ham? If you're going to teach me soccer, do it right, because there's a lot at stake. If I stick with sports, Studies show that I'll get better grades in school. I'll get a better job after college. I'll have a lower risk of obesity that will last me my whole life. Coaching girls soccer is serious business. I'm more likely to get a serious concussion than any young athlete except boys who play tackle football. More than boys who play soccer. More than boys who play lacrosse. And more than boys who play ice hockey. In my teenage years, I'll be six times more likely to blow it in me than a boy my age playing the same sport. If I believe you care more about winning than you care about me, I could quit sports, and that could affect me for the rest of my life. So remember, I'm a soccer player. I'm a soccer player. And I'm a girl. So coach me like one. Treat me like one. I've been around a very long time and I didn't think I'll be in this lifetime to to come to a a stadium purely for women's football, a packed out stadium and you know it's a bit emotional for me because this is all I this is all I ever wanted just for the women's football to, to impact in Australia and you know small steps and we're finally here. Yeah, look, six is great, but it's not our goal. Our goal was to be number one, and, you know, small steps. I've got to be a bit critical with that because um, that's the type of person I am, but I think because I believe that we have the potential to be a number one team, and, and if we keep playing the way we do and uh, with the coaching staff and the right belief we have, I think we can do it. 
seems so far away, but yet so close. Um, you know, you know, we didn't have much time to prepare in 2015, um, but we did really well. And you just see the last three years how much Stages has um, improved our football, and the change on our mentality has completely changed. So, you know, given another two more years, I think we'll be right there and ready to go. That was Lisa Devana, and the funny thing is that that was 2017, so another World Cup ago. But uh, you could almost just project that in time to now. And if I ask some of my young players who Lisa Devana is, <laughs> they they don't know. They furrow their brows and they, Sam Kerr, no problem. Isn't that a cr- crazy? Yeah. Absolutely crazy. Yep. Yeah. Um, but if you put Lisa Devana in the Matilda squad now, I think that... She would probably be known in another four years because the profile of women's football is a lot more expanded and has grown in that space again. It's just crazy, isn't it, Neil, the, the publicity that women's football is getting now? Oh, it's immense. I mean, when you when you think that Sam's going to be getting the keys to the city. Yeah. Um, and, and only a few years ago, she was referred to as Daniel Kerr's sister, wasn't she? That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> Neil Bennett. Um, I can't recall. I can't recall an AFL player getting the keys to the city. <laughs> no, and I don't have enough um, space on my page here for all of the accolades that Sam Kerr's got oh. in the last twelve months. I'm not sure there's yeah. too many more, except for well, World Player of the Year and World Cup winner medal. I think those yeah, would be I the think, two. Yeah, they're, they're the only two boxes left for her to tick, um, and it's remarkable. Um, and to think that she comes from. Little old Perth is fantastic. Neil Bennett, uh, how shall we introduce you? Perth Red Stars <laughs> Beyond 90. Uh, <laughs> w- what's the title you'd like today? Uh, our chief bottle washer and cup dryer, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Coach, um, part-time media writer. Yeah, it's uh, all-consuming at the moment, Pen, <laughs> as, as you well know when you're involved in a football club. Well, that, that's good about the all-consuming part because there's a Women's World Cup coming up next year, mate, and all those consuming parts of women's football will probably get you a foot in the door to a very nice place. <laughs> well, um, that's what, you know, that, that's always been a, an ambition of mine ever since I, I did start to do some writing initially with a women's game and now we'd be on 90 that, uh, that may lead to um, some media accreditation for the Women's World Cup and you know, I'd be delighted if that happens, and I'm certainly, you know, really buzzing for it. Um, but in the meantime, just keeping things ticking along by looking at the local game and um, and being involved in in the club as well um, as a coach with our metro team. That that's taking up you know two nights a week training and, and game day. And it's even though I'm retired from work, I think I've got a full time job doing all this football stuff. Absolutely. I, I enjoyed the um, Tash Rigby um, uh, coverage you did. Um, that was that was quite enjoyable read there, and uh, again Thank another you. star performance. Um, um, yeah, Rigby's done. Yeah, she, well. I mean the the unfortunate part about all of the COVID that happened was I was covering Perth Glory, but I was covering it from afar, so yeah. I wasn't able. To, to get to do face-to-face interviews, which I think are much, much better yeah. than the ones that are conducted by email. But no, Tash has always been very uh, approachable and, you know, got such a bubbly nature and she's always very honest and upright and, and forthright. So 
she's great to interview. Um, and there's a number of other players in the squad who are very good to interview as well. Yeah, you're right about the um, face-to-face on the interviews, especially with a lot of the upcoming stars that may not um, have had microphones or questions thrown at them regularly or at all that um, you, you get them down in a, a face-to-face they're a bit more relaxed and a bit more um, forthcoming and, and upfront whereas you know sometimes you you grab them uh, on a uh, on the phone call or, or uh, through other media and and yeah it's a bit stagnant sometimes so you yeah, you, you, you've done well to over this period, as you say, that it must be very hard to keep in contact with, with people without physically keeping in contact. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, it, it is difficult and um, it, it's it's so much easier, I find, as well, because you can build a relationship up with the players and yeah. a number of the players in the Glory squad, um, not so much this squad because there's so many of them come from over east and, and interstate internationals, but previous glory squads there was a lot of west australian uh, players involved in that and i knew many of them um you know from the age of 15 16 so i've been there or thereabouts with with them and and talking to them so it's it's good uh, to get that personal relationship developing and even with alex as well it's much much better talking to him face to face rather than submitting questions via email through the the wonderful media manager at Perth Glory, and he really is a great bloke, Gareth Morgan, um, to, to, to go through him. But you always get great responses from, from the players and from Alex. It's fantastic. I reckon everybody's email trail is 10 times as big now than it was <laughs> pre-COVID. <laughs> just managing Absolutely. technology is quite incredible. And I've just got a message in from uh, Dave Kindness at uh, Mum FC, my club that uh, we've broken the 1,500 player mark this year. Wow. That's massive. I'd like to know where other clubs are at this year too in terms of their growth benchmarking it to previous years during COVID and then pre-COVID. It'd be great to know if you can land something about your club on the World Football Facebook page, the group page there, and let us know. Just say, UWA, we can beat you, Mum FC. We've got 1,600 <laughs> players this year. Like, that'd be great just so that we get a, an idea. I don't kind of hear that information from Football West unless we get them on the show and ask them. Have you seen, no, that's right. Have you seen that growth, Neil, in your um, travels around the traps and um, your, your um, coverage? And... Yeah, I mean, um, from, from the, the very parochial viewpoint of, of Perth Fred style as and, and redbacks as they were, um, we had grown to the point where we could no longer have any more teams at Celebration Park because yeah. we were bursting at the seams for, for training. Um, so now there's uh, 12s, 14s, 16s and 18s, which is now having to play in the Metro, um, an amateurs team, a Metro 3 team, and the two NPL teams. So, you know, eight teams and the vast majority of those players, uh, the amateurs, the Metro one, the 16s, 14s and 12s, and even the 21s, the vast majority of those are under 18. Um, so it's a massive That's great. increase. That's very good. Back to uh, 2013, I was the coach of the then state guy. game is, is huge and looking at the numbers that came to for trials where we would have in excess of 20 kids turning up for trials um, that I think is a take 
think it's certainly on the upward trajectory for the women's game. Mm. So uh, the week in football has been pretty exciting. A number of things have, have happened. But on the local scene, Neil, um, what's taken your fancy? What's, uh, what's the news that we should be knowing about out in football land uh, locally here? Um, well, I think the, uh, the way that Perth have started to flex their muscles a little bit uh, is, is good. Um, they had a very good win against Fremantle on the weekend, beat them 3-0 and then followed that up with a quite comprehensive beating of Subiaco in the Cup. The Cup, though, it's it's very difficult to gauge, and I'm not taking anything away from the scoreline, and, and I, won't, I won't repeat it because it was very large. Um, you don't really know what the teams are that they're putting out because it could be you know, work-related issues midweek and those sorts of things, but nevertheless, they, they won that. Um, I think Fremantle, sorry to say, Ben, um, coming back from that defeat to beat Mum in the Cup as well. That was, a, that was a good sign for them. But I think all eyes this weekend will be on the game, uh, kicking off in a couple of hours' time at Dorian between Red Star and Perth. Um, yep. They haven't played this season so far in the, in the league. They did play in the ninth series. Um, Redbacks, as they were then, uh, won that game 2-1. Teams are completely different, though. Um, I think... Uh, this will have a major say in you know how how the league is going to pan out from here on in. Um, if Perth get the result, um, you know they get a win, then that gives them a, a further boost to their momentum. But if Red Star win or, or get a draw, um, that really establishes them at the top of the table and as having you know, not dropped points or, or, or not lost. So. There's a lot on this one today. I think the Red Star team are uh, pretty much fired up for this one um, and I think it will be a really good game. Uh, I know Perth are playing well. Um, Curtin last night, unfortunately, is still looking for the first win. Um, went down 2-0 to, to Balcata, who are another team that's shown some good form at the moment. Um, and then NTC blown hot and cold as well. I'm, I'm not really sure what to make of NTC this year. Um, they've beaten Perth twice. But they, they seem to struggle um, when they're up against other teams. Uh, I, I don't quite know what's going on with them. But they've got a game against Subi. And Subi had a very good result against Red Star last Sunday when they lost 1-0. Um, uh, for me, having watched a, a number of games now, I think uh, Zara Board's performances over the season have been a, uh, amazing um, in goals for Subiaco. Hence her call-up real... into the national squad. Yes, yeah, that's right. A really, really good young goalkeeper. Um, and I think um, given the right environment and uh, guidance, she could, go, she could go a long way, that young lady. She, she's really taken my eye. Um, and then Frio will bounce again against Murdoch on Sunday, and that will be a good game because I'm not sure what team Murdoch will have, but I did see with interest that Katie Schubert was back. And it looked like Grace Betty and um, Sadie Lawrence were back in the squad as well. So with those three players coming back, all of a sudden Murdoch are a much, much stronger proposition. So yes, be interesting to see how that one pans out. Yes, yeah, so um, with Red Stars and Perth sitting first and second on the table, that's definitely the match of the round this weekend. And uh, in the men's NPL... Uh, Bayswater and Perth Red Stars are playing each other first and second as well. So that's the match of the round. If you want to find out 
any of the details of where the games are being played, go to footballwest.com.au and then just follow the links to the NPL and it tells you all the match stats, goal scorers, who's hitting top of the goal scoring list and all that kind of thing there. Um, how are you seeing uh, pitch conditions and, and squads travelling at the moment? We've, we talked to Lisa Ward and both Andy and I have noted that pitch conditions are a little bit eh, variable uh, at the best across the um, playing playing competitions at the moment. What are you noticing? Um, uh, for me, Subiaco's pitch has been quite remarkable. Um, usually by this stage it's cut up and it's pretty awful. Um, but Red Star played there on Sunday... Um, I was also at Subi with my team on one of the top pitches there. Um, they're, they're looking pretty good. Um, the, the pitch at Celebration Park is holding up. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of rain over the last couple of days. But, yeah, I think generally the pitches are not too bad. Um, I know that at, uh, at Red Star Arena, that's often a pitch that cuts up. But they've restricted access to training nights now. So, yeah. There's hardly any training going on there, so the pitch is only really used on game days, and that seems to be holding up. That's Dorian it. Gardens is looking good, um, and Balcata's not looking too bad. That's another one that can often cut up as well. Um, so, yeah, I think the only the only needling thing I have, um, and this is with the NPLW, is that the pitcher curtain, with its rugby markings on it, um, does get a little bit confusing to watch mm. uh, sometimes you know it's got yep. the white soccer markings and then you've got the black rugby markings and I'm not sure that that's that's really all that good um, but the, the surface itself is fine it's just the markings on it are a little bit confusing I yeah think. I've seen I've seen a couple of handballs there where um, players have thought that the yes. ball's actually gone yeah. out and picked it up for a throw in then when, when I watch the American leagues and they play on the artificial surfaces and they got the multi markings, yeah. it always oh. confuses me when I'm watching. So the players have to be really dedicated. I hope they train on those spaces. I um, think I think yeah. one of the secrets to the ground conditions does seem to be the the training um, scheduling. Absolutely. That, you know, you know, um, yeah. How well the club they're just getting looks over over, yeah. over abused with with training of juniors and seniors and games and yeah. yeah. Yep. Neil, before we let you go, we definitely need to talk about um, the Matildas uh, and any other international competitions that are happening at the moment. Um, there's a lot of players on break. Um, Kerr, Catley, uh, Rasso, Kennedy, uh, Cooney uh, Cross um, are having a break. So when we come up to the, the games within the next couple of weeks, there's Spain and Portugal, there'll be some yep. new faces in the squad. Yeah, the one that, that really jumps out... Um and I'm almost I'm almost loath to try and say it because the name is so complex. But <laughs> Jacinta Galabadarachichi, um, who's at Celtic now, she was at Glory, um, and then didn't have the greatest of seasons at Glory. She was always one to keep an eye on because um, she got bags of skill. And then she went to West Ham. I think she had a period in Spain as well. Ended up at West Ham, but had a great season, a breakout season at Celtic. Uh, reminds me of another Australian at Celtic. I wonder who that might be. Mr. Postacoglu. Celtic seems to be the choice for Australians at the moment, or Scottish football does. Mm. But yeah, she'll be a really interesting one uh, to, to to run an eye over. And I think it's good. Um, it's good in two ways. Good that the players that are, you know, the established internationals have been basically told to rest, um, you know, because of workload issues. Uh, and then it does give some of the fringe players an opportunity now against 
very, very good opposition in Spain. This will be a tough game uh, for the Matildas. I don't think there, there's any illusions here about that one. Um, but yeah, some, some good players in there. Angie Beard coming in, that's great to see. And Chidiak as well, yes. uh, getting a run. And a, a remarkable story with Larissa Crummer coming back into the fold. Um, she, uh, just reading up on a horrendous leg fracture that she had a couple of years ago, at one stage, apparently, there was a risk she would actually lose the leg. Uh, there was talk that they may have to amputate it. The leg fracture was that bad. Wow. So for her to come back from that yeah, and now get to a, run again. a spot back in the Matilda squad is, is just amazing. Well, was it Hayley Rasso that injured her back a few years ago? Yeah. Yeah, yes, and she's yeah. come back, and she—I haven't heard a peep that she's having any problems from that. So, mm. kudos to her rehab to get back to where she is right now with that. Yeah, and you know, we, we hear unfortunately a lot about ACLs as well, but the, the modern technology from medical science yeah. and sports science means that many of these players are coming back, whereas ten years ago that would have been it. You know, they, they would have never come back. So it's never pleasant to see a player getting a serious injury. But their recovery opportunities are much better than they were before. Yep. Um, so we keep our fingers crossed for uh, for Larissa. Um, I did see her in the opening game of the AFL, of the AFL sorry, A-League W, uh, playing for Brisbane Roar against Glory. And even at that early stage of the season, you could see she had the touches, holding the ball up and bringing players into play. But... Pattern one out. It's about getting game time and get game minutes. Yes. Yes. Well, Spe- speaking did, of game time, yeah. uh, um, I noticed this with uh, Aaron Moy when he's playing with the Socceroos in the lead up to the Peru game. So he hadn't played a lot of football and he was clearly unfit. So he got more and more game time. And by the time he played that last game, he was looking so good. Mm. I'm like, yes, just mm. where we need him. Mm. Well done, whoever was handling his, um, <laughs> you know, getting back into the Socceroos squad. And we need to get the uh, the Red Stars um, shooting coaches on to the Matilda as well, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the stars. Well, sign Larissa Walsh up for them. Yeah, that's right. Well, even Jay Coleman. Jay, Jay, I know personally, but Jay's... Coleman, um, yeah. Yeah, Jay Jay's done amazing. I think she actually won Premier League of the of the month. Um, beat the guys as well um, when she was playing for Fulham out at England as well. So, um, oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah she scored a cracker. A lot of them. Yeah, a lot of like with almost yeah. a tap in from feet. Uh, I think we've scored too many at the box. Neil, you're breaking up on us very badly. <laughs> Sorry, you're saying you're scoring more from free kicks. Yeah, um, I think we were, you know, we was sort of doing a lot of um, doing a lot of these sort of moves where we're going to be very, very closely and, and not taking the shots. But there's still some shots coming in from outside the box, but it's more passing moves now for them. Yeah. I think we're going to leave it there. Neil, thank you very much for joining us and uh, your input as usual. Love it. And uh, keep doing all that hard work. I hope we'll, we'll see you as one of the international journalists at the Women's World Cup. That would be pretty cool for your portfolio, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be amazing, yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much for having me on, guys. It's been a pleasure. Good on you, Neil. Thanks, Neil. See ya. Thank you. Bye. Cheers.
That was Neil Bennett beyond 90, writer, Perth Red Stars, media and coach. We are going to go to a break and come back and chat more football. Of course, one more guest before we go to our break. This is Penn and Andy. You're listening to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. We are proud to be the longest-running football show on radio in Australia. Join myself, Penny Tannerhoth, Pete Skeeler, Sean Kelly and Hugh Best every Saturday morning in the 10am to noon space. You will hear football conversations with a range of guests and gurus. The show lands as a podcast on our website and you can subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening in to the World Football Program. It's not who we're playing against, it's the points. These guys are coming to our country to play for the most important points into the World Cup. This is it, we're at home. This is why we all play football. It definitely makes a difference when you see and you feel the passion from the fans and their noise and their support will carry us over the line. This is the world stage and whatever happens on here is down to you. And we're back on the World Football Program, 107.9 FM Radio, Fremantle. Penn and Andy in the studio for another 20 minutes or so while we have a chat to Greg Werner, who is a Australian football historian. Is that the right way to title you, Greg? Um, it's as good as any, Penny. Good <laughs> afternoon to you, Good morning to, to both of you and to, uh, to all of your listeners too. Yeah, good good on you. Uh, Australian football before the A-League, is that your, your biggest notch on the belt that you want to put as a title? Uh, no, I'm the co-author of the Encyclopedia of the Matildas, the founder of the Grassroots Football Project, the head of the Heritage Committee at Football <laughs> New South Wales, and, and, the, and the founder of The Great Save. Okay, fair enough. All right, don't have another you know, lines on my page for all of that. <laughs> So we're celebrating 100 years of Socceroos as of yesterday. So I'm not quite sure anyone saw that kind of coming. It just kind of like landed that we're celebrating 100 years of, of Socceroos. What are some of the things that we should celebrate of 100 years of Socceroos, Greg? Well, just the fact that we've been playing internationals for that long. Uh, mm. For the most part, the Australians wouldn't have had a clue that uh, that we've been involved in the international side of the game for that long. I mean, most Everybody would know that we, uh, you know, qualified for a World Cup in in 1973 into 74, and then again in 05 into 06. But uh, prior to that, the history of the game's pretty much been uh, been kept a, a, a well guarded secret. So the fact that we've got uh, that much uh, history and the stories that go with it to tell is uh, in itself, I guess, as uh, as much as anything, something to celebrate. Well, we you, you had your um, encyclopedia of, of Matildas, plug, plug. Um, that's now <laughs> what must be a year or two um, old. That you would you would be able to put together um, a, another book just based on on what's happened since that book. Um, it's been yeah, quite, well, quite exciting. We've got uh, there's an updated version of the encyclopedia of uh, Socceroos coming out uh, towards the end of the year. I think to coincide with the World Cup, Andy's uh, including all of the B-capped players in that. So there's another 
360-odd players that have been added to uh, wow. to the 600 A-capped players going to that book. It's, it's going to be quite an enormous one. And then, yes, we're doing an updated version of the... Uh, of the Matildas for uh, for the World Cup for next year as well. And the Andy it's, you're uh, referring to is Andrew Howe for our listeners? And, yes, Andrew Howe, uh, renowned statistician and demographer. Yep, <laughs> good one. And uh, we will note too, because we have been talking about it, that technology is amazing and probably been pretty significant and important through covid that uh, we connect and share information through there. And there's a lot of information being put up on public forums about Australian football, soccer, the world game. And I think that the sharing and connecting that in the last few years has been amazing, Greg. Uh, it's It's been vital, absolutely vital in getting the message out there. Uh, since I started doing what uh, I'm doing, which is uh, going into eight years now, the, the last... Um, the last half a dozen years, the, there's been an absolute blossoming in uh, in the interest in the history of the game, and it's all come through uh, through social media. The, uh, the the governing body have been hesitant, to say the least, to get involved in the history of the game up until recently. But thankfully, now they've um, they've grabbed it with both hands and realised that uh, really, if we're going to have the game taken to the hearts of the country as it um, as it should be, or as they would like it to be, then really we we have to tell the full story of it, not just that that uh, that certain people um, want to push. So we now have a backstory, and that's the that's really thrilling. And as you said, a lot of it's uh, come about through uh, through connections made locally um, and uh, and put up through social media. The the biggest one. Um, of late, and there was this only came to light yesterday uh, from one of our contacts in um, one of my committee members in in Wollongong was a signed card from the uh, the boat ride to New Zealand in 1922, and it's the the only time I've ever seen a signature of any of the players who went over. Now there are 11 signatures on that um, on that dinner menu, and the one that's most important is the one of Alec Gibb, because Alec Gibb went over as the vice-captain, finished up being the captain, but it has confirmed what I've always thought. He is an Alec and not an Alex, as a lot of people uh, have been pushing him as, uh, as being. So you said then a signed copy of a menu. So people used to keep that as a, a, mem- a piece of memorabilia from their tours and trips and events and sign it and then keep it. John O'Connell does that all of the time when he goes to events. The first thing he does, he gets the the menu card and he signs the back of it. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, as much as anything, it's it's uh, it's it's a real snapshot into um, into yep. the period. As you look at the menu and you just go, "Wow, what <laughs> yeah. were they eating? What what were they thinking?" Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, uh, you know, yeah. The, some of the offerings that were put up were quite extraordinary. But yeah, it's it's just a fantastic find, and it came from as you say. A, uh, a member of the family of one of the guys who was on that tour in 1922. The um, interesting that uh, Penny mentioned earlier in the show um, to to Lisa down at Bunbury, how it's it's funny how we all know uh, Sam Kerr, but how Lisa Devana has been, you know, uh, a name that's almost forgotten. Um, that you know we we do it's through works that what you're doing that's helping to keep 
those real stalwarts, those real trophy winners, the um, key people in, in and pioneers and pioneers mm-hmm. um, in in front of mind because they they deserve that place and um, yeah they they should be um, recognised recognised more yeah yeah everybody's everybody's I guess looking for the next big thing um, yeah. you know it's amazing how quickly the uh, uh, things get consigned to history in uh, you know as they make way for as I said the, the next big thing um, and it is it is vital that uh, those people who have made contributions to the game never get forgotten uh, because it's the, the stories of their careers that build the story of the game and um, yeah they should uh, they should be recognized whoever they are and wherever they're from for what they've given to the game because it's all part and parcel of as I say building that uh, that historical base. It's very easy and quick to put information onto a social platform, change it and edit it, delete it, put it back and, and do those kind of things with it. And I, I remember when my daughter was going through primary school and they were I- introducing guidelines and levels of research for their projects to say these are the, the websites that you should use and these are the websites that you shouldn't use and these are the platforms that you shouldn't, shouldn't, should and shouldn't go on and so forth because if you're going to be teaching and educating people and having to remember the right and correct things, you need to know how to filter out other stuff. What I've noticed is with a lot of the sport and football information, there's a lot more valid and right and correct platforms happening and sharing of that information so that when you read an you read something and the article is correct and, and you know because you've seen it somewhere else. Mm. You've seen it two or three or four other places, which mm. is great. Uh, I love the sharing and networking of a, a lot of the sites out there. It's great. It's hard to miss things now. Yeah, well, people are... If, if incorrect information gets put up, there are enough people out there now with the knowledge to to uh, slap it down yep. very quickly. Yep. Uh, and that that's a really good thing. Uh, eventually... I figure everybody that's played for the country will have a, its own, their own Wikipedia page up and everything will be up yeah. on that and it'll all be uh, corrected. And whenever something new comes up, we won't have to wait for you know, the the, uh, the publication of a, a new edition of a book to come out. The information will be there and it'll be, as I said, correct from almost from day one because because uh, the moment it gets posted up and if it's incorrect, it will be corrected. I'm finding that um, that the women are, are actually probably one step ahead than the men in that space. That uh, I see a lot more Perth Glory, a lot more uh, Matildas doing little snapshots, little um, videos of the players. You know, just having a um, a bit of a, a fun, yeah, one minute, two minute, um, quick question and answer session. Um, just to post that up, just little. Teasers, and um, I think that's that's great to um, you know get that the, the new young followers getting them on board, you know, just to see that you know they are real people, just um, doing what they do really well. Yeah, and it's it, it's doing what um, what they do naturally because it's it's stuff that they do every day. Yeah, mm. uh, it's stuff that they've grown up with, so they're comfortable with it. It's not like yeah. being dragged out, stuck in front of a camera with lights and microphones and all of that, there's a lot more uh, relaxed and personable stuff finding its way uh, 
into the marketplace. You know, the, the, the video, the, the behind-the-scenes stuff from yeah. the matches against uh, the US that was put up, uh, you know, they're all brought up in an age where, you know, being in front of a camera is not something to be scared of. They're, they're a lot more comfortable in that area. True. Yeah. yeah. So I, uh, it's just the again we talk about names and you know all these uh, pioneers and um, I'm I got I it just got a flashback then to a few weeks ago where I was um, putting my shin guards in and and someone was looking at the signature on there and I had to uh, go into a ten minute spiel on Tim Cahill and oh. <laughs> my my little Timmy Cahill uh, sweaty shin guards that are. <laughs> That <laughs> um, again, a lot of people like you know, the Lisa Devana thing. Yeah, forgotten yeah. about. Yeah. Let's talk about the Socceroos because Socceroos have done so well in lifting the profile of uh, football just in in the last uh, couple of weeks and, and months in, in their journey into the World Cup. And it was on free to air television, which is fantastic. Unfortunately, by the way, the young Socceroos, the under twenty threes, they're playing for third place tonight. Unless you've got Paramount Plus or have a mate. Then you won't be seeing that game. That's at uh, 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, I think. Australia playing Japan. So, uh, yeah, go find a mate that's got Paramount Plus if you want to watch that game. Uh, I think the guys have been playing really well and there's some you know wonderful stars of the, the future in that squad. Just moving over to the Peru versus Socceroos game, on oh, I think it was Tuesday night now, 568,000 viewers mm. on free-to-air, Channel 10. Greg, that's amazing and it's fantastic. And at four o'clock in the morning, yeah, exactly. It was astonishing. <laughs> uh, I, I looked around our place, and there were there were a lot of lights on at that time. <laughs> which, uh, you would not have, uh, you would not normally be expected to see. It yep. was just fantastic. But the, the thing that interests me is that the drama of Australia going to this playoff stage. Uh, would there be as much interest in Australia going to the World Cup if we hadn't had this drama of the last minute? Uh, Qualification. If we'd have qualified, you know, ahead of our group, um, you know, three months ago, mm. how how strong would the feeling be towards the the, the national team from the mainstream media? Um, you know, going into a World Cup, now we've done it. We've done it in a spectacular way, uh, and suddenly everybody's talking about it. Whereas, you know, really, if we'd have qualified, it would have been news for a day. Uh, you know, three months ago, if, especially if it was a game that had happened uh, overseas, and um, but but now it's it, it's it's front of mind with everybody, and especially so, with the Wiggles. And I was listening to a BBC <laughs> podcast earlier in the week, and Andrew Redmayne's wiggle face was being talked about on in, in British football radio. I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> so you, yeah, he's done, he's done a great job. Yeah. It really has in yeah. the marketing of the game. So, so are you suggesting, Greg, that it was a, um, a, a deliberate ploy from our uh, national marketing team to, uh, <laughs> to tell scrape, the us, coach scrape us through and do it the well, hard way? It, it, it may not have been deliberate, but boy, it's worked. it worked. Yeah, absolutely. No, great point. I, I, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, we've got some work to do, though. I mean, the, the World Cup's coming up in Qatar this year. There's going to be breaks in all the leagues. Um, and you know everything in the world is going to be looking at the the World Cup. Everyone takes an interest in the World Cup. It's I think it must be the number one competition, but no watched figures and interest in, in the world. And the Socceroos are going to be there, and the Matildas Again. are going to be at the Women's World Cup, and that's going to be here. How bloody amazing is that? Yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's it's a great twelve months. It really is. It's uh, 
you know, to be a football fan at this time of of, um, of life is is just fantastic because everybody really will be talking about it from November through to uh, I guess the end of July. Football is going to be at the uh, at the forefront of everybody's thinking, even those who are who are not football people. I mean, the the amount of uh, the amount of coverage uh, in mainstream media on this side of the country uh, that would have otherwise ignored it completely has just been astonishing. Yeah. And it's it's only going to get bigger, I think, especially with the uh, the Women's World Cup. How much how much extra material are you going to have, Greg? And uh, another <laughs> twelve next months book, <laughs> revision. <laughs> oh yeah, there's, there's plenty of material, which is uh, which is a wonderful thing. Yeah. 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 I have a question for you. You're co-authoring books, but we've also in the same conversation been talking about technology and how it's being shared so much on the internet. Does there come a time in your head where you think, well, the, the book is just going to be a digital platform, we're not going to produce a hard copy and ship it out to places? Um, that's probably something you'd have to speak to publishers about. Myself, I, I like books. I've picked up three new ones this week, three old, three old ones that I've, I've found um, and which I will eventually get around to reading. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the digital digital platform, yeah, and nice to take away on holidays to sit on a beach and, and listen to, but um, no, give, me a, give me a book any day of the week. Mm. Yep. Greg, thanks so much for joining us today, our morning, your afternoon. I hope you have a safe and enjoyable rest of the weekend, doing whatever it is you I, love. I will be doing just that. I've had two games to referee this morning. I've got two more to do tomorrow, and then I've got to get back into finishing uh, my next book. So Good job. that's out in September, yeah. Keep them coming, and we'll have a chat to you before that happens, and you can give it a plug. Thanks, guys. Have a lovely weekend. Good on you, Greg. See, See ya. Greg. That was Greg Werner, historian, author, statistician, page master. There's so much stuff. Andy, it's been wonderful sharing the studio with you this week. You've done a great job, very relaxed and composed and full of information as usual. <laughs> Thank you, Penny. Thank you, listeners. It's been great. I didn't get too many abusive texts, so I must have done pretty well. Yeah. You did. Pretty awesomely. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. Next week, the team is back from 10 o'clock and Bags Groove is following us today. Have a safe and enjoyable weekend. See ya. See ya. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.